Welcome to the Evidence-Based Chiropractor, where each week we deliver the latest chiropractic research and marketing strategies, all in the time it takes to get to your office. Now here's your host, Dr. Jeff Langmaid. Hello and welcome to the Evidence-Based Chiropractor. I am your host, Dr. Jeff Langmaid. On today's episode, we're back into the research. Manual therapy versus therapeutic exercise in nonspecific chronic neck pain. And this is a randomized controlled trial. This is a brand new study with a ton of clinical pearls. Before we dive into it, I want to say a few words about the Smart Chiropractor. I just checked our stats and Smart Chiropractor members received over 4,200 phone calls from Google alone in the last 30 days. So if you want to market better, basically, what do we do at the Smart Chiropractor? We do all of the things you know you should be doing to market your practice, but aren't. We can make sure you stay consistent on so on the most popular social media platforms where we reach millions of people each and every month. We can automate your email. This is the high ROI machine with all of our automated email campaigns. They're all done for you, but you also have unlimited sending on top of that. We have video streaming that goes into your practice as well as auto posting to Google My Business. That helps your listing get more visibility, more clicks, and more calls. And uh, the proof is in the pudding, as they say. So if you want to market your practice at a higher level, check out thesmartchiropractor.com. But today, we are talking all about the science. And this is a study that came out in 2020. I'll drop the link down below in the show notes so you can check it out, but it came out in BMC and it is titled Manual Therapy versus Therapeutic Exercise in Nonspecific Chronic Neck Pain. And again, this is a randomized controlled trial. So let's break it down. Let's dive in. Let's get those pearls and move along for this week. Number one is chronic neck pain. (laughs) Chronic neck pain is one of the top three reasons why people visit chiropractors. Number one is back pain or get started with chiropractic care, right? Number one is back pain. Number two is neck pain. Number three is headaches. So this is a big deal. Uh, This is a randomized control trial, which means it's the highest level, practically one of the highest levels of research out there. And it's looking at manual therapy versus therapeutic exercise. So this is just a great practical study to have a better idea of how can I, should I, or do I want to approach chronic neck pain in my practice. Now, nonspecific chronic neck pain is super common and it causes a big impact. Now, here's the interesting thing about neck pain. It kind of correlates into back pain a bit is that it is heavily influenced by psychosocial factors. So this is where things get, you know, fun, I guess you could say interesting and challenging when there's a lot of psychosocial factors going on in a pain syndrome you know, how do you take care of that, right? This gets, this gets beyond biomechanics when we're looking at things that really have a psychological component, a social component, it goes beyond biomechanics, but there's, you typically tends to be a root within that. So where is nonspecific neck pain? This is clearly defined. I never thought about it this way, but they really define it as pain located in the lateral and posterior neck that does not show pathognomonic signs and symptoms. So nonspecific, it shows up in the side, in the in the back of the neck, not necessarily uh, you know, in the, in the front of the neck. Very rarely is there neck pain, I guess, anteriorly. Now, the number of cases of neck pain worldwide is estimated to be a 
quarter uh, billion. So over 288 million in the number of uh, years lived with disability due to neck pain, just as in 2017, is estimated at over 28 million. This is a big issue affecting a lot of people over a long period of time. So you know, underlying the mechanisms of, you know, nonspecific chronic you know, neck pain, you know, recurrence in the progression, it's not 100% clear, but they believe, the researchers believe it's probably associated with deficit and alteration of the proprioception of the neck muscles that play a role in cervical joint positioning and motor control of the head. That's good news for us as chiropractors, right? When there's proprioception there, when there's uh, musculature involved, when there's positioning and posture and motor control, man, this starts to look really good that we're going to be able to make a big impact with our care. Uh, And there's a strong relationship between neck pain and psychosocial factors, such as catastrophism, stress, anxiety, depression. All of these things that influence the sensation of pain, neck pain and chronic nonspecific neck pain, absolutely no exceptions there. So they looked at basically three groups of individuals or they really applied, I'm going to say three protocols. One was the control which was basically a sham technique, just hands-on but not really doing anything, for lack of a better way to say it. So that was kind of the control group. And then there were two experimental groups. One experimental group involved manual therapy. The other involved therapeutic exercise. So they define manual therapy as techniques and care that involves neurophysiological mechanisms. Reduction in inflammatory biomarkers, decreased spinal excitability and pain sensitivity, modification of activity in cortical areas involved in pain processing, excitation of the sympathetic nervous system. All of that is what they're deeming are sort of the differences and treatment effects of how manual therapy works. Now, on the therapeutic exercise side, they're talking about neurophysiological effects, including reorganization of motor patterns, structural adaptations, and increases in strength and endurance. Now, there's probably some overlap there, but that's sort of how they're breaking it out. I love to think about this because it gets to, well, what are some of the core mechanisms of action? How does this work? Well, as they're kind of saying here, man, manual therapy can make changes and influence inflammatory biomarkers. It can make changes in decreased spinal excitability and pain sensitivity. These are, again, impactful things that I think we need to keep in mind. It might not direct your care directly by understanding it, but it's important to know because as you apply the care, you can better inform, educate, guide your patients towards what's really going on. Now, both of these mechanisms, manual therapy and therapeutic exercise, as we've probably broken down on many episodes of this podcast, both are, are highly effective, but they do have different mechanisms of action. And the time of effects could be different. So that's why this study was saying, hey, let's take a look. Let's put them head to head. Let's get a sham group out there. Let's get a manual therapy group. Let's get a therapeutic exercise group and let's see what's up. And they took a group of individuals between 18 and 50 years old that had current neck pain, so currently symptomatic. And this pain had continued for the last 12 weeks. Again, remember chronic. So at least 12 weeks was really the starting point from where they started to take a look at this group of people in the study. And the protocol was applied in three treatment sessions, one per week. So in the manual therapy group, what they did was they applied a adjustment to T4. So it was a high thoracic manipulation. It was cervical articular mobilization, and it was suboccipital muscle inhibition. That all took place in the manual therapy group. Now in the therapeutic exercise protocol, 
It was recruitment and activation of deep cervical flexors. It was isometric exercise, and it was eccentric recruitment of the flexors and extensors. So that's really the differences between how they applied manual therapy and how they applied therapeutic exercise. Therapeutic exercise was literally the exercise. Manual therapy involved adjustments, involved mobilization, and involved a little bit of muscle work as well. So an interesting way to approach it. And then the SRAM group, of course, got just you know hands touching, no real motion. How did they take a look and measure outcomes in this study? A couple different ways. They looked at neck disability index, the NDI, pretty standard. They looked at a visual analog scale for pain and PPT, pressure pain threshold. So all very highly utilized in, in many, many studies. All very, I guess you could say, reliable in terms of their outcomes. And look at three different things, right? Neck disability index, what's going on with a disability? Is this worse pain? Are people you know, functioning better? Visual analog scale for pain, hey, how's it going? You know, zero to 10 or zero to 100 if you break it out smaller. And then the pressure pain threshold. How, uh, you know, are they hypersensitive to touch? You know, I think we've all had those patients where, you know, you're just trying to do an exam and you can you can you can barely touch them. They're jumping and lighting up off the table. That's a they are sensitized. Right. You know, those are individuals where it's like, man, this is going to be a challenge, let's say. And we're going to have to go slow because we got to get that. We got to get them off the ledge here. I mean, when their body's so hot that you're just touching them, not literally hot, but it's so inflamed, it's so sensitized that you are touching them and they're jumping off the table. You, you want to make sure you go about that in a very stepwise fashion. Concurrently, there's other people that have pain. You can move them around all you want. You can dig in and they're saying, ah, that feels all right, right? So there's a, there's a range there, but understanding where somebody, if you can take somebody from being highly sensitized, meaning very, very, very low threshold to increase that and giving them the opportunity to do more. That's where a lot of the pressure pain thresholds come in is that if you're super sensitized, you're probably not able to do too much actively. You're, you're, and then it ties into fear. It ties into a lot of these psychological components to the pain as well. So they went through and they went, they provided their treatment. And what were the results? The analysis showed significant improvements in VAS throughout the treatment processes, weeks one and four, and in the subsequent follow-up, which was week 12. It's an important component of this is the follow-up. It's not only getting well today, but it is how does that translate later on? And I'll just make a uh, maybe not the most refined explanation of it. But if you have a significant challenge, you you could probably you know take a medication and feel better. But if the pathology and challenges re reside there, it's coming right back, right? So looking at long term, mid term, and long term outcomes really helps establish not that anybody expects one adjustment to last forever. Uh, and if they do, you need to you know, set your agreements and expectations slightly differently. Uh, but what they should expect is that if they take an active role, if you make the right choices, if their body accepts the care, the treatment, and they're willing to uh, you know, kind of, again, take that active role in their own healing, it's very likely that they're going to get a, a great long-term result. So for NDI, they observed statistically significant differences uh, in the first and second evaluation in both experimental groups, but there was no changes in the control group. No surprise there. And that's good reinforcement that the care delivery was working. So the objective of this study was really to determine the differences between the experimental treatments in an immediate, short, and midterm type pattern. Now, what did they find? The results obtained respect to the control showed that the experimental treatments showed a clear efficacy with all the subjects with chronic nonspecific neck pain and statistically significant improvements in short and medium terms with disability and perceived pain. That's important. Statistically significant improvements in the short and midterm 
whether it was manual therapy or therapeutic exercise for disability, you know, decreasing the disability, improving functional ability and decreasing perceived pain. Super important, especially when we look at this from a psychological perspective and the psychological components of this pain challenge. Man, when somebody's able to function at a higher level and have decreased pain, now you're going to start breaking some cycles, right? You're going to start breaking some patterns in a good way that help them live a better life. Overall results uh, you know, in this perceived pain and disability following two experimental treatments in the short term and midterm were significantly improved, as we kind of said. And they're kind of saying, hey, that this means that both can be effective. It doesn't always have to be one or the other. A multimodal approach based on manual therapy, therapeutic exercise and pain education could be the best care and treatment. Now, how do we think about that? Well, they found, quote, both experimental treatments, uh, manual therapy and therapeutic exercise, produced statistically significant and clinically relevant, important there, clinically relevant changes with respect to the control group. The therapeutic exercise group reduces cervical disability before the manual therapy group does, and the manual therapy group reduces pain perception before the therapeutic exercise group does. Interesting. I'm dying to see more of this research come out. I think this is just the start of what's going to be a cycle of fantastic papers around this topic. But here's what they're basically saying. Hey, if you're looking to increase you know, functional ability, reduce disability, early therapeutic exercise tends to work quicker. Now, if you're looking to decrease pain perception, manual therapy works quicker. Now, what do you really want? Both. So utilizing therapeutic exercise and manual therapy is a great way to tackle both aspects of that, to decrease the disability, improve the functional ability, while also taking down the perception of pain all super important, all clinically relevant. I think these are all fantastic conversations to have with the people in your practice. Let them understand there's so many docs out there that I don't think do a great job explaining why they are doing what with their patients. You know, here's why we're doing this. Here's why we're doing this. Here's why we're doing more than one thing. Here's why we're focusing on this right now. When you start to describe, okay, we want to make sure we get your pain. You are you're very sensitized. I know you're in a lot of pain. Let's work through some manual therapy to decrease that pain. Now, I also know you're unable to do some of those things X, Y, and Z that you'd like to get back to. After we go through our manual care, I want to make sure we get some exercise going on because we've seen that when you can add the exercise, that helps you get that functional ability back. We're going to do both of these things with you to ensure that we can hit your goals and expectations. Does that sound good? So there's a lot that you can dive into. I hope this was helpful. Some real clinical pearls here in terms of understanding how manual therapy and therapeutic exercise uh, provide their mechanism of action and effect. Now, I also want to give a shout out if you are looking for chiropractic coverage. If you're a doc or a student, you're saying, man, I'm not sure what my next career move is. We are looking for talent. We have a ton of demand. So if you are a doc out there looking to provide coverage or you're an associate to be, please check out what we have going on at Cairo Matchmakers Connect with us. We would love to hear from you. If you're a doc looking as you start to look out into this year and see CE days coming up, maybe a vacation in the future, don't close your practice. It's one of the biggest mistakes docs makes is closing their practice. They lose, they go to zero. You still have all those hard expenses, but you have no revenue or income coming in. One of the best ways to solve for that is to utilize a coverage doctor. We do that with Cairo Office Coverage within Cairo Matchmakers. So please reach out, CairoOfficeCoverage.com. 
check out what we have going on. We have a ton of talent also out there, and we want to match the right doctors with the right opportunities. So please don't lose revenue and close your doors. Check out what we have going on at CairoOfficeCoverage.com. Have a fantastic week in practice. If you have not left us a review yet, I'm going to have one more ask of you. Please swipe down on that iPhone. Leave a rating or review for this podcast. That's how more and more docs find out about it. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for paying attention. If you have any questions, hit me up, Jeff, at TheEvidenceBasedChiropractor.com. Have a fantastic week in practice, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Evidence-Based Chiropractor. If you want to grow your practice, come back for next week's episode. If you want to grow faster, visit TheEvidenceBasedChiropractor.com and join our MD Marketing membership today.